Our first guest played Division I soccer for both the University of Florida and the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. She currently serves as Director of Coaching for BB United, as an assistant coach for Augsburg, and as one of the co-founders of Like a Girl, a nonprofit dedicated to elevating inner-city and immigrant girls who may otherwise be left behind by the traditional club soccer setup. Please welcome Jen Laren. Thank you. I didn't realize this would be so uh, very much on a stage. So many more lights than you were expecting. Yeah, to. yeah, it's it's great. Jen and I usually just talk at random youth futsal tournaments. <laughs> many of them, when I play, when Jen brings it up, I just get nutmeg over and over again by like tweens. So this is much more comforting. Yeah, Matt was awesome and played on a like a girl co-ed team at a futsal tournament in St. Paul. I conveniently got the flu that day, so I was not there. Mm -hmm. And so, as a result, I just got embarrassed over and yep. over again. Yeah, again, that's true. It's just true. to remind everyone. So, Jen, you wear many hats, and I think you're a really good example of what it takes to kind of make your way through the coaching ranks, where you have to put together so many different gigs um, to make it work financially, to kind of grow your career at, at the start. Just talk about those different, those different roles you have um, and how you kind of put those together in the beginning parts of your coaching career. Yeah, totally. So I started out just coaching club wherever I could, uh, and then I worked my way as a volunteer assistant coach at the Augsburg Women's Soccer Program. Uh, decided that I love Division Three college coaching, want to be a head coach at Division Three at some point, um, and just really trying to work my way up. And this past year, I got a girls director of coaching job at a club called BB United, South of the Cities. Um, that gave me a lot more financial stability than I had previously, but. Uh, before then, yeah, I drove a bus in the mornings to make things work. I coached soccer at night, um, and then I kind of had this this unpaid passion project, like a girl on the side too. Um, so I think it's a combination of how do you make it work financially, and then how do you make it work to prepare yourself for your ultimate goal. So how do I get the, the life experience to prepare me to be a college coach? Um, and b balancing that financial piece and the experience piece is 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 a tricky puzzle sometimes. Well, in BV United, you're the director of coaching there, and they have a really cool, I think, claim to fame in Minnesota, which is they've decided every single one of their girls' teams is going to have a woman as the coach, which is, which is so huge because... Woo! Woo! Yes it's, to women. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a huge deal because even just on the women's side, let alone soccer more broadly, there still is nowhere near equal representation for women coaches. And I think when we talked about this earlier, you know, one thing you talked about is you can't really develop those high-level coaches who have the full resume, who have a fair shot in the hiring process until you let them grow in the beginning of their career too. And so doing it at those youth ranks is so important. But just talk about um, kind of how your the club has implemented that because it does mean making very intentional choices about yeah. how you hire, how you train, and all of those different things. Totally. First of all, just touch on, like, it's so important to have female coaches one for representation uh i in part knew that i could be a coach because i had female coaches one of which is right over there and you'll hear from her soon um but just seeing that every day from stuff like told me that i could do it um and then two yeah it is hard sometimes it takes intentional effort and my boss greg holker decided to do it after uh, his wife made him read lean in um and he thought you know a little bit about his daughter and and the kind of youth sport experience he would want her to have and then to greg's credit he hired me because he knew that he didn't necessarily have 
the network of women um, that that potentially a female coach, a female soccer player would have. And I lean heavily on my Gopher network. I lean heavily on my Augsburg network. Um, and then I just reach out to people I've met through through the soccer world. Sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's uh, you know I. I randomly reached out to Grey Ducks the other day and got a, another female coach who's been awesome. She's doing her D course right now. She's been stellar. Um, and I think it just, all you have to do is look and you can find women who want to coach. Um, just the other day I took a walk with a former teammate, Ellie Arbison, and she was like, yeah, I've been really wanting to get into coaching. And I've seen Ellie work with kids. She'd be great. Um, and, and yeah, it's just a foot in the door. I, I started coaching at Matamidi. I had a U13 team. I had no former coaching experience, uh, you know, very little, maybe at some gopher camps. Um, but I got my foot in the door because having a D1 soccer playing experience in your resume is pretty impressive to, to people looking at, you know, to hire a U13 coach at a club. Um, but even if you don't have that, you can still be an awesome coach. Uh, and so I, it's really important to me to go out of my way and find those women who want that, that role in that position. Mm -hmm. Well, and one of your other roles really is kind of focused on expanding access to the game through Like a Girl. So you do um, really cool work kind of across the East Metro. But for those who haven't heard of it, just talk about um, how the organization came together and what you're trying to, what specific kind of part of the problem in the, in the soccer scene are you trying to address? Yeah. Like a Girl's mission is to embrace, support, and celebrate the diverse communities of girls who play soccer in the Twin Cities. Um, and it came out of, I was a JV coach at Como Park High School in St. Paul, and then after that first season, myself and the other coaches got together and just realized that these girls had become an important part of our lives, and we felt like we had become a support system for them. Um, and, and so it, it started from this very basic question of like, how could we stay involved in their lives? And I think through getting to know them, uh, we realized that Many of them have dreams to play in college, but there's not necessarily a pathway that connects immigrant refugee cultural leagues to a college experience. Um, so for example, I had a girl on the first team that I coached named Peace, and when I told her I played at, uh, at the University of Minnesota, she said, well, I want to play there too. I'm going to go there and I'm going to try out. Uh, and I was like, oh, Peace, like, that's, not, that's not how that works. That's not how that happens. Um, and if you don't know that it's not a tryout system like it is in high school, then you don't know that you should be contacting coaches when you're a sophomore or a junior, and then you're behind or the game. Yes, if you want to play at the University of Minnesota, you should, you should probably contact them when you're a freshman. <laughs> but then you're, you know, you're, you're kind of running behind the ball, and it's hard to catch up. When schools have filled their recruiting class, it's full. There's not, there's not much you can do. Um, and then the flip side of that is uh, DCTC, a community college in St. Paul, didn't have enough girls to roster a women's program last year. That's an issue because there's girls who want to play, and there's girls who want to go to college, and so they need to know that that program exists. And on the flip side, that program needs to know that these girls exist. So I think the main idea is how can we kind of connect these worlds that are largely separate and find, find a commonality, find a bridge. Um, and it's, it's been a really fun, rewarding, um, emergent process. I'm still learning, and, and uh, the girls are too. This season at Augsburg, we have two girls on our team uh, that I met through Like a Girl. Uh, one of them just scored her first college goal yesterday. So that was really exciting. Go Aggies, am yeah. I right? 
Hockey friendly crowd? No? Okay. <laughs> Not a lot of Maya fans in here? Right. Um, and Jen, you personally were also recently or last year, you know, within the last year, you were named to the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 program. And I think um, just seeing all the work you've done and other kind of younger coaches have done to just work through that licensing ladder to me seems just so daunting because you're already doing three different jobs. And then within those jobs, your schedules and trainings and games are so crazy, but then also doing a very structured, you know, time intensive, resource intensive process uh, is so brutally tough to kind of fit into that process but just talk about that program and also kind of what your what your goals are and how that can help you meet your goals for you know your coaching career yeah 30 under 30 has been really cool molly from the university of minnesota's in it as well so we get to text and celebrate together uh, at first um the coolest part for me was just going to the united soccer coaches convention in chicago i had never been before and um saw a bunch of really cool presentations met a lot of awesome people uh, my biggest takeaway is I love Todd Bean's session. He's a coach out of Barcelona, and they're doing a, co a coaching course out of Barcelona next May that, like, fingers crossed I want to go to, but there's a lot of financial resources involved, so I'll have to, have to budget that one out if possible. Um, but through 30 Under 30, I got connected with a mentor. I got to be on their podcast. I got a stipend towards my travel to the convention. Uh, I got some free sneakers, um, so that was huge. Uh, and yeah, the coaching courses are definitely a time investment, definitely a financial investment. Uh, definitely some of my bus money went towards paying for those. Um, but big, big bus money. Yeah, yeah, that, that big, big bus money. Um, but they've made me a better coach. Just the other day I was reflecting on, uh, you know, things I learned from the most recent D course and how I'm still implementing them and, and growing from it. So it's been awesome and I'm excited to keep doing it. All right, Jen Lyric, everybody. Thanks so much, Jen. Thank you. All right, we're gonna keep it going. Our next guest is entering her eighth season as the head coach at the University of Minnesota. Coming into this year with an overall record here of 84, 48, and 17 for the Gophers, including one regular season title, two tournament championships, and four trips to the NCAA tournament. She's coached countless All-Big Ten awardees, multiple All-Americans, and several who've gone on to the pros. Welcome Stephanie Gallant. You've been out of state what feels like forever. You were in California for a couple of games, then in Mississippi. Um, so let's let's fact check an element of the Mississippi, the old Miss broadcast. They were very concerned that we thought it's humid in Minnesota um, because they, they think it's apparently a tundra 12 months out of the year. So you need to confirm for the British broadcaster on the old Miss team, uh, broadcast team was it more humid in Mississippi? And you, you can say yes, but we need to confirm because they were very concerned. They brought it up 25 times, I think. I would say uh, a Thursday, that wouldn't have been the case, but um, Sunday, definitely the case. Okay, that's good. We'll get that tape and send it over to the Ole Miss team. Perfect. That's good. And also, they had a British broadcaster, so you know they're serious. That's, very, very serious. They have to be serious. Now, Coach, you're four games into the season. We mentioned a couple of road trips. You've had some tough breaks. You have a very young team a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing minutes. Um, for the people here who have never been to a game up at Elizabeth Lau Robbie Stadium in St. Paul, talk to them about why they should come out and see you in person for the first time because with all the World Cup bump that all these NWSL teams are getting, 
we really want to make sure Minnesota gets a little bit of that bump up at the Robbie. So describe to them kind of why they should, should uh, go out and watch the Gophers. Well, we've got a we've got a great group of young women who, uh, I mean, they grind day in and day out. Um, you know, as a as a soccer program, you're going to find uh, a really fun brand to to get behind. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, we're going to press teams. We're going to put teams under an inordinate amount of pressure. Try to turn them over as quickly as we can. And on the flip side of it, we're going to take care of the ball. We're going to be creative in the uh, in the attacking third and we're going to score some goals so you know it's a great environment for for us you know we we really do feel like we represent the state of minnesota we're the only d1 program in the in the state and our like our biggest goal when teams come in to play us is we want them to feel like they're playing against the entire state of minnesota and so getting as uh, as many people out to the games as we possibly can is, is so huge in that and we've had uh, in the time that I've been here, we've had some stellar crowds for some of our big games, and we need to get that consistently, not just for the big games. And for, <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen you play this year, I think a defining part of your attack this year is a, an entire slate of freshmen who, for lack of better term, really try shit in the final third, <laughs> to a point where I was watching the exhibition game against NDSU, and I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, you go, Manthe Brady. You go for it. So there's, there's some really confident um, young players in the rotation, so that's been really fun to see. Um, now, for those who don't follow college soccer, you should know there are a lot of very funky rules. So, for example, uh, there's a lot of subbing allowed. It seems unlimited to me. There are actually limits to it, but it seems, un it seems unlimited. There's no stoppage time, so be ready for that. You go into overtime if you're tied after 90 minutes, but there can still be a tie. So NCAA is very strange. Um, if you had the power to change one thing about the college game, not just on the Gosh. field rules, what would you want to change? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I actually, um, there's there's a couple things that, that I think of and you know one is the overtime that you just mentioned in the in the regular season um, you know while while I appreciate it we've had uh, three out of our four games have been 110 minute games and so you know, our kids are getting that grind getting that resilience we're we're going to be super fit um, as a as the season wears on and we're getting a lot of players a lot of quality minutes right now which is which is great but at the same time we had a 10 day preseason um, and so for for me. Uh, the the overtime in the regular season or extending our, our preseason to give us time over the summer with the players so we can really prepare and really get a system down and have them ready when, when the games count as soon as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Well, in so many games going to extra time, just because once you get in the Big Ten schedule, it's a grind, it's a physical battle, and then you, you, know, you have to go an entire extra 20 minutes when it's your second game of the weekend, so it can be kind of nuts. Um, and there, I think... For people, if you actually make it up to the Robbie, which everyone here should, there's one thing I always tell people to look at, and that's look at Seth Galan's staff on the one side, and then look at kind of the bros from New Jersey on the other side, and how they behave and how they conduct themselves as coaches. Like, screaming Purdue dad is a very real uh, presence when they come into town. But, um, you know, the Gopher staff isn't just led by, by you as a woman, but the, the entire coaching staff is, is women. Just talk about what it means to you, not just to succeed for yourself, but then to develop that coaching tree to help kind of um, 
spread that development of other coaches and other programs. Well, yeah, I mean, like Jen said earlier, you know, it's it's so powerful to have women coaching women. Um, you know, we need to empower one another and provide that platform. And so, you know, for me, I haven't always had an all-female staff, um, but when the right one comes around uh, that, that fits well together and that works right, you know, we, we love the fact that we can do that. Um, you know, it's kind of the if you can see her, you can be her uh, mentality. And we've got, uh, you know, like you've, you've got myself. I've been a head coach since I was 29 years old. So, um, you know, I was fortunate to, uh, to get that opportunity um, early in my career. Uh, you know, Becky, uh, who's, who's one of my assistants, I've known for almost 20 years now. Uh, Molly is an alum of the program. Allie, you know, also, also played at Duke. Um, and then SJ, as our director of ops, is also a, a former gopher. And so I think uh, keeping people who are passionate about the game in the game and keeping the, the student athletes, you know, super excited to be there. I mean, if you, if one of the things that you will have if you, if you come and you're at one of our sessions, you'll have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we really, really enjoy what we do. We have a very high standard and we, it's super, super competitive, but it's also fun. And that's what it's supposed to be. And so I think that, you know, having the group that we have makes it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, and you've had a lot of players go on from the Gopher program to play professionally overseas recently. Um, currently, Simone Kalander is playing over in Iceland alongside Hugrin Friedrichsdatter. Very close. Close, so we'll take it. <laughs> and Pobratsky will take close. Let's, and then Molly Fiedler's in Serbia. She's been playing some matches in the Champions League over there. Uh, big Molly Fiedler fan, yes, love that. And then uh, Emily Heslin is headed to Israel in the next few weeks to start playing over there as well. Talk a little bit about kind of how the pro game has changed since you were started as a head coach and kind of the opportunities that have changed or progressed um, not just in the U.S., but also overseas. Well, there's, there's a lot more opportunity now, and I think that players are more willing to be open to those opportunities. You know, the, the league in the U.S. is, you know, it's a high level. Um, it's hard to break into because it's not like players are retiring quickly um, at, at a, in a lot of cases. And so the opportunity to break in uh, in, the, in the U.S. right out of college is going to be your top, top tier of players. But there's a lot of players who are good enough to be able to continue playing, and there's a lot of leagues overseas that afford them the opportunity to do so at the at the professional level and if they do well it's going to open other opportunities for them so you know having uh, having a group where you've got players who want to pursue those opportunities and who are willing to put themselves out there I mean with uh, with Molly you know going to Serbia that wasn't a comfortable decision for her initially but she's so excited that she that she did she's over there with uh, four other Americans and a Canadian on her uh, on her roster and they're getting ready um, to, to play Atletico Madrid you know, she's in the Champions League program, so that's that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see it continue to grow. I'd like to see it be, um, you know, a sustainable income for uh, for women because it's. Uh, I, I think that you know, you you reflect on the on the World Cup and what it's done, and you see you know, all these big major clubs starting to make uh, make a bigger investment overseas. Hopefully, that translates over to the to the U.S. But you know, you've got Cassie who will be able to talk a little bit more. <laughs> well, and Molly. One nugget that she mentioned was the team sort of hinted slash told directly the Americans and the Canadians that they signed was they signed them to make a run in the Champions League and if they didn't make a run in the Champions League maybe the contract wouldn't go for the next six months so it's just a little bit of pressure to perform in those on that big stage um, and coach you play Marquette on Thursday mm -hmm. is that right and is yes. a seven o'clock yep so it's the battle for Katie Coker Katie <laughs> played at Marquette last year and now she's playing for you so I'm yeah. sure she'll be right in the middle um, and everyone give it up for a set 
that, and make sure you go to ELR. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> We'd also like to thank Peace Coffee for sponsoring this event. Let's give them a round of applause. I had a cup of coffee earlier to make sure I would be awake under these hot, hot lights, and it was great. So thanks to them. Um, and our, our final guest played four seasons in the NWSL alongside names like Amy Rodriguez, Lauren Holiday, Becky Sauerbrunn, Alyssa Nair, Stephanie LeBay, and Mallory Pugh. She at one time held the record for most consecutive minutes played and earned a reputation as the Iron Woman of NWSL. Everyone, please welcome Cassie Kalman. Cassie, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You now, I when I interviewed your sister, she's now the head coach at McAllister. I called you the like the Kennedys of Minnesota soccer. Okay. The Calmans. That's um, the first time I've heard that one. Yeah, it's probably because it's a weird thing to say. <laughs> and she she said, she said you've been referred to as the second family of Minnesota soccer That's after true. the Lagos family. Yep. I think we can let's just inch you up up top. I'm whatever people want. You're comfortable. To say. Okay. I'm comfortable with whatever. Okay. So. <laughs> You, you played several years in NWSL. You played with several different teams. Um, there's plenty of people like me and probably plenty of people in the room who would love to see Minnesota get an NWSL team now that we have this beautiful stadium. We'd like for women playing soccer there to be more than once a year event for us. That'd be great. Um, so with all your experience as a player in those different organizations, what are some of those things an organization like Minnesota or someone else needs to pay attention to to make sure the team is well equipped to succeed, you know, due to, to succeed when they join the league as an expansion team? Yeah, I think Minnesota's doing all the right things to have a women's team at this point. Um, you see the teams that they bring in that are affiliated with MLS teams and they're doing so well. Uh, the teams that are struggling are the people that are more independent owners and they have smaller stadiums. And you can see after this World Cup, um, Washington Spirit played at Audi Field. Mm -hmm. And at our old home stadium, or the stadium that they play at, it's like 4,000 is max. And they sold out Audi Stadium at 18, 19, 20,000. So if you build it, they will come. And mm -hmm. I think if they just put in the resources at the same that they do with the men, if they do the marketing the same as the men, people love women's soccer here, mm -hmm. as you can tell with the U.S. women's national team. Mm -hmm. People love watching women's soccer. So mm -hmm. I think if they follow along with the Portland, the Orlandos, mm -hmm. those kind of teams, then it could be really successful here. All right. Well, and one issue I know you're passionate about is making sure, you know, women and girls are getting out to, to follow the league and support the league. And frankly, I think for young leagues, there's always a little bit of a debate of how do we focus, you know, where do we focus in terms of growing our fan base and growing our ticket base. But talk about why that's such an important issue for you, having kind of played at all those levels. Yeah, I think it's so important. When I was little, we didn't have a professional league. So I, it wasn't easily accessible to go and see high-level soccer. You have the college game but nothing beyond that um, I coach a lot of camp summer camps and we would do trivia and I was so disappointed with the lack of knowledge here from girls who hope to be on the national team one day but they don't understand that these national team players that's only a quarter of their playing career that they play professional soccer in the NWSL and that's more obtainable 
for a higher number of girls to play. Like, I'm from Minnesota, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I made my way there, and, and a ton of Minnesota girls can do that too. So I think it's just so important that you don't wait for a team to come to your city or your state to start supporting and watching. All of their games are on YouTube Live. Now some are being played on ESPN every week. So I think it's really important getting young players to watch women, mm -hmm. players that they're going to grow into. I mean, men's soccer is good as well, but for them to watch the women and every single week during the season they can be watching high-level mm -hmm. soccer instead mm -hmm. of waiting for the, the women's national team games. Mm -hmm. Well, and even if you don't have a specific team you want to follow, I've found when you tune into a random game, like the game of the week or some random game online, mm -hmm. the league is still so small that the level of talent is absurd. Oh, I yeah. mean, like, we have international players coming in, so many American players. So when you watch the game, you know, it's there's so many times where you're watching it and it feels like you're watching a really high-quality national game because yeah. so many players are at that level in their own country. Um, it's just a really high quality of play. Yeah, definitely. And, and the gap between each team is so small. Every game's a good game. Every game's a competitive game, whether you're first playing the last place team or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So so we're going to bring you back in time to your, to your early, your late teens. Uh, because right, because Katie Duanga, Gopher soccer freshman, just finished up a trip to play with the U20s mm -hmm. in in California, um, and she uh, she played in a couple of friendlies. But you actually had an experience of playing in the U20 World Cup mm -hmm. along alongside some really big names, um, and I think it was in Japan, yep. right? So what did that experience mean to you early in your college career in terms of kind of setting you up for more success at Florida State, but then also kind of preparing you for a different environment at the yeah, for sure. I So I got invited to my first camp when I was 18, actually, before I went to college. And unfortunately, I had a broken foot at the time, so I couldn't go in. But I think that was such a blessing in disguise because I got my next call up was after my freshman fall. And I think I learned so much. Mark Corian is hands down one of the best coaches I've ever played for. Um, so I think I could have been a little premature if I went in before I had that season under my belt, starting um, all the games that season. Um, so going to the U20s and being a part of that group was amazing and also intimidating. A lot of those girls played on the 15s, played on the 18s, grew up in the system. So I felt a little unsure when I went there and they all had their friends group, but it didn't take long for them to embrace me and for me to feel comfortable and to keep getting invited camp by camp. And the level is just so high. And being able to go to camps and playing with those players, one, two touch at that fast pace, being able to go back to FSU, uh, it made me such a better player. Mm -hmm. So, well, and what were some of those on the field adjustments you had to make to to survive and to thrive and play at that national team level? Um, you know, after playing at a really high level in college too at Florida State. Yeah, I think just the speed of play. Like the first possession game, I was like, okay, I can only play one touch. All right, and then adjust to that. And also, just I think to to bring in confidence from the start. You know, you. All these players are leaders on their team, and if I went there and didn't say a word, I was going to get swallowed up. And I was like, this is my moment. I've been waiting for it. I've been working for it my whole life. I'm not going to let this pass me by. Um, so, yeah, I just gave it all that I could. I'm here for a reason. The same way they're all here for a reason. Kind yeah. of like they wanted me for a reason. I should play my game. Yeah, and I had a support system that, yeah, filled me up and my coach, and you deserve to be here. And a lot of the girls on, the, on our U20 team actually played in our conference, so I constantly was playing against them, so that helped make me feel more comfortable as well. Cassie, this is a segment called The Internet Said It, okay. where you have to verify something that the internet said about oh. you. Oh, gosh. It's great. Don't worry. It's, 
The internet can say a lot of things. Guys, it's very chill. No one who's been on the stage tonight has weird stuff on the internet. Except Do you have, like, like true or false written down? No, it's just it's a one scenario, so it's not a it's not a list. Don't worry. Okay. Your internet presence is actually pretty pretty straightforward. But there is, I did find something that said you and your now husband, Eric Miller. Yes. You had so many soccer people at your wedding, I can't imagine why, <laughs> that you had a pickup game for that wedding weekend. And so you need to just verify for us that the internet did say that correctly. But also, please talk about who won that game. <laughs> and if it's had an impact on your marriage. Who scored? So I don't remember that being disclosed on the internet, but that is true, which was awesome. I wish a lot of my friends in the NWSL couldn't make it during the off season. You know, we don't make as much, so it's harder to fly. Right. Uh, That's a note to everyone who invests in soccer. Invest some money, guys. But it was really fun. I don't. I think we're on opposite teams, but we were so mixed up, and we even had some of our friends who we had two or three people who had never touched a ball really in their life, which was awesome because they like really tried, and it was amazing because they're playing against MLS players and MLS goalies. Um, but yeah, we had a ton of people from club soccer. Oh gosh. Just if you could just name one by one every single player. And maybe their cell phone numbers. We'll just say Eric, Brent, Ethan Finley. So some of the United guys. We had Cody Cropper, um, a bunch of guys that also play in the USL. Um, Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Cassie. This has been great. Um, All of you, take Cassie's guidance seriously. Watch an NWSL game this fall. Take Steph's guidance seriously. Go to Elizabeth Lau Robbie Stadium if. If you all want to, I will once again bike a trailer full of beer to the parking lot and give it away for free. So that is the gopher experience. Uh, so get ready. Um, thanks so much for, for hosting us, Blackheart. Thanks so much, Peace Coffee. I think Wes has one last thing to announce, and it no. might... No? Just dance party. Oh, uh, <laughs> to quote the great Kevin Bacon, let's dance! Woo!